Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We praise your wonderful name. What a great and wonderful Savior you are. We thank you for the privilege to be in the house of God this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we can be gathered here together in your presence, in your power, in your wonderful spirit. We ask you to bless each and every one here this morning. Open our minds and hearts to receive the word of God as we look into your word today. We give you the praise and glory for all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to your friend next to you and shake their hand and greet them. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's no one next to you, that's okay too. <laughs> waving somebody. Yes, that sister's waving at people. God bless her. Amen. And you may be seated. The Lord bless you. We are uh, studying the uh, resurrection. We are concluding the resurrection. The 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is the resurrection chapter in the Bible. Not, it's not the only place in the Bible that speaks about the resurrection, but it is the one that's so extensive. And the entire chapter is given to the subject of the resurrection. We've already talked about the first part of that chapter. And uh, <clears throat> we uh, also uh, show to you our chart. I'm going to put the chart back on the board here so that we'll have something to be following. And um, I want to uh, start here by reviewing just very quickly here some things that we looked at last week and we talked about last week. And uh, I'm going to put this on the overhead here. Let me get a focus here. Now, can everybody see that? Pretty much, pretty well. Can you see it in the back over here? Well, it's not on that screen. Okay, it's on this one only. All right. Uh, if you look at that chart, you'll notice here that there's three little fellows standing there on the left-hand side. Red, blue, and gray. And the one with the red outfit has an H on it. It stands for holiness. The one in the middle has R on it, standing for righteousness, and the one on the, in the gray suit that's on the right has a W standing for wickedness. These are wicked individuals. These are three types of people that will be in the end time whenever there is the final wrap-up of all things. The Bible says, as a tree falleth, so shall it lie. It's speaking about the condition of our lives, our souls, when we die. When we die, whatever soul condition you are, that's the way it will be into eternity. And uh, if you'll look with us very quickly here in, chapter, in, in Genesis uh, chapter 22 and 11, this is the last, very last chapter in the book of, in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in the Bible itself. And it's sort of a wrap-up, and I'm just going to give you here what it says. We read this to you last week. And what I'm doing right now is reviewing just very slightly here a little bit what we looked at last week. And if you look at 22.11, it says, He that is unjust... Let him be unjust still. This is the end of all things here. The Revelations chapter 22. And in verse 11, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. These are two types of wickedness, two types, the unjust and the filthy. Some people think if they are filthy, wicked, but they're not unjust, they're okay. Some people think if they're unjust, but they're not filthy, wicked, they're okay. Either one is wrong. Either one is wrong. And most wickedness is both. 
But anyhow, it says, he's unjust, let him be unjust still. And then it says, he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And what we uh, see here is that there's a distinction between the holy and the righteous here. And uh, I'm going to uh, mention here to you, and I'll come back to this, but if you're in chapter 22 of Revelation, and you turn back over to chapter 20, in verse 6, it has a very distinct statement here about the holy. It says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. If we backed up to the fifth verse, it says, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. And then it says, This is the first resurrection. Then it goes into verse 6. Uh, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. So there's a distinct, distinction and the ones who are holy, and it states that they will go in the first resurrection, and that's what we have been looking at here. Now, before I go any further, let me just make mention to you here so that you understand our chart here. Uh, if you'll notice here, there's a little man standing here. When we die, our bodies are put in the grave. The Bible says we go back to the earth from which we came. The body is of this earth earthly. And then the soul and the spirit goes back to God who gave it. God put life in us, and the body is of the earth, but the life in us, praise the Lord, is of God. God breathed into man the breath of life, and he became a living soul. The soul is the individuality that we are. We're individual. Each one of us is a soul. Praise the Lord. That's the person you are. That makes you different than anyone else. And God has also chosen to give every person his own free will. We, we, we're a free agent with the Lord. He gives us a choice. We can make choices. So that's the soul. The spirit is the life in us. The word spirit comes from the word pneuma in Greek. And uh, it means life. It means life. It means also breath. All that has to do with life itself. And so our soul and spirit goes back to God. That's the solid line goes up. goes back to God who gave it. Now, we gave you scripture last week on it. I'm not going to read those verses or ver verses to you. But in Ecclesiastes 12, 7, Ecclesiastes 3, 21, it says that the spirit goes back to God who gave it. You gave it the earth. Uh, the body goes back to the earth, and the spirit goes back to God who gave it. And there's numerous other verses that talks about it. Uh, the Bible speaks about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and says they are, uh, the Lord said that, speaks, speaking of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he's the God of the living, not the God of the dead, which means Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are living. There's also many scriptures in the Bible where it says that they were, they were caught up unto their, uh, he, he died and was caught up unto his fathers. Uh, they were caught up to their fathers. And this is speaking of Aaron when he died, also Moses. He's caught away to his fathers. And, and then one place speaks about Abraham's bosom. And I won't go back in detail because I covered a lot of that last week. But anyhow, at the, the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, Abraham's bosom, apparently the name sort of took a change on name, and it was called paradise. Now, in 2 Corinthians uh, 12, 4, is that the verse? can't see it. 2 uh, Corinthians 12, 4, it states that, that uh, Paul says that he, he himself was stoned to death one time. He said, I was caught up to a place called the third heaven. And then he repeats the statement and says, I was caught up to a place called paradise. So we know from that 
scripture that paradise and third heaven is the same thing. Why third heaven? I don't know unless the first heaven is the atmosphere, second heaven is the stars, third heaven is the place beyond it all where God is, something of that nature. So uh, anyhow, it's just a term that was used just that one time in the scriptures, third heaven. And of course, it's also referred to as paradise. And so uh, paradise is where we go. So when we die, if we are holy or righteous, we are caught up and God puts us in a place called paradise. Uh, We can be righteous by trying to do what is right in life, trying to be good people, trying to live the best we can, the best way we know how to live. But you cannot be holy without his spirit in us. His spirit makes us holy. We can be righteous. And the Bible in the Old Testament talked about the righteous man very much. If a man is holy, if a man or woman is holy, they are also righteous. They are righteous in the sense that they are righteous and holy, but the Holy Spirit makes us holy. That's why it's so very important to have the Holy Ghost. And that's why that scripture there that's found in... uh, Romans uh, 8, uh, 28, uh, 8, 8, brother, pardon me, Romans 8, 9, and also 11. In, in, in verse uh, 9, it says that if that spirit that was in Christ dwell in you, it shall, uh, no, let me rephrase it. In verse 9, it says that without his spirit, we are none of his. In verse 11, it says that if that spirit that was in Christ dwell in us, it shall also quicken our mortal bodies. Praise the Lord. So we have to have the spirit of God in us to be at the rapture. And so the rapture is what the church is all about. That's the gospel. That's the word. We look for the coming of the Lord. And it's described in the scriptures and the Lord talks about it to us. Praise the Lord and gives us an understanding of it. The rapture is the resurrection of the holy, not of the righteous, but of the holy. But of course, the holy are also the righteous in the sense that we fulfill the characteristics of the righteous. And uh, I read to you there in verse 20, blessed and holy are they that had part in the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are they that had part in the first resurrection. And uh, look at 1 Corinthians 15. I'll have you look at that verse again real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, you look at verse uh, 20 and 23. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. And then in verse 23, but every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. Notice here, they that are Christ, if we belong to him. And we belong to him two ways, his spirit in us and in his name. That's why baptism in his name is so important. When you get baptized in his name, not only does our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus, but also we are in him in Christ. Praise the Lord. He said in one place, just as I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, so am I in you and you in me. You are in me. How? And we're in Christ. You say, how are we in the Father? And of course, I use the example of a light bulb. If this room had one light bulb in it, and it was giving light to the whole room, we could say that the, the, bulb, the, the bulb is in the light because the light's filled the room, so the bulb's in the light, but the light's in the bulb as well. Jesus Christ, the fullness of the God, he had dwelt bodily in Christ. And so it went out from him, the Spirit of God. And, and he went on to say, and just as I'm in the Father and Father's in me, so am I in you and you in me. He is in us in the Holy Spirit. We are in him 
in baptism in Jesus' name and in this body of Christ that is called on the earth, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same thing. On this earth is the church, the called out ones, and we are in that body. Folks, that's the most privileged place in this world. Since Jesus came, that's the most privileged thing, place, most privileged, uh, shall I call it kingdom, on the face of this earth. Kingdoms have risen and fallen. Nations have come and gone. Empires have been and, and they have now extinct. Leaders have come and gone. But the kingdom of God continues on. Praise the Lord. And Jesus Christ is our king. And he's our soon coming king. That is, he's going to return again. This is why we have a calendar system like we do 2018, going on 2019. That means 2018, year of our Lord's, what it means. A.D. A.B. is the Latin for that, the year of our Lord. Meaning that Jesus is still alive. Our king is still alive. They would say in the 10th year of so-and-so, of king so-and-so, such a thing happened. The 20th year of such king so-and-so, such a thing have happened. Then when he died, they started on with the next king. In the first year of the, next, of the king so-and-so, such, such a thing happened. Well, we say in the, in the 1,000th year of, you know, A.D., which is the year of our Lord, he's still alive. And so our calendar system, praise the Lord, testifies that Jesus Christ is still king of kings, Lord of lords, and he's still on the throne. Amen. And there's a lot of people that really don't like that, but it's too bad. That's the way it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe God's hand is on it. I'm going to move on here because we, I want to stay with our chart here. So the, the first resurrection, and of course, uh, it goes on to talk about the first resurrection here in 1 Corinthians. Uh, if you'll look while we're there in 1 Corinthians, if you'll turn uh, to the, we're still there in the 15th chapter. If you look over in verse 51, and this is that first resurrection. 51, I'm just jumping down to save time. I've already gone through other parts of it in a previous study. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In other words, everybody's not going to die because those that are living when the rapture takes place or when Jesus comes back, they will not taste death. They'll rise. They'll be changed instantly in a moment. The Bible said a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Instantly it will happen. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is, we'll not all die, but we shall all be changed. Regardless, whether we die or whether we be alive, we're going to be changed. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Now notice that, that the dead is called corruptible, but they'll be raised incorruptible. And we use that illustration here, corruptible. Corruption shall put on incorruption. That's the dead shall rise up. The dead is here. I make main mention, I didn't mention a while ago, but the wicked, whenever they go back to God, God puts them in hell. I won't go into detail of that. We'll talk more about hell and lake of fire in a few moments. But I want you to look at this verse of scripture here about the rapture. And this is where you and I are today. And uh, you have the hope of that or you wouldn't be here this morning. Verse 52, I'll read that again in a moment. A twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead in Christ shall uh, be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal, that's if you're still alive, must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, 
Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And uh, so the Lord goes on to talk a little bit about the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law and so forth. Now, I'm going to uh, also have you look with us, if you would, in First Thessalonians. This is likewise a very important verse of Scripture that describes the rapture. I'm still talking about the coming of the Lord back for his people that are a holy people. Folks, this is why the living for God in a clean lifestyle is important. God, the Lord said, be ye holy for I am holy. And some people just, they, they, they don't want to know anything about holiness. But holiness is, is a lot of things. And, and I think our Wednesday night Bible study, the pastor's been teaching on it and other groups this past Wednesday on holiness. Wonderful classes. But holiness, praise the Lord, is how we live, how we act, how we conduct ourselves. It's how we treat our fellow man. It's how we, uh, we, 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 how we take, we do ourselves. It's how we, you know, one fellow says we walk right, talk right, uh, and spit white. <laughs> I mean, he's talking about, that's about the olden days when they used to chew tobacco and stuff. So we walk right, talk right, and spit white. But anyhow, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't take drugs, you don't do alcohol, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's also how we dress and how we look, especially for women, because women have an attraction from the men. And if a woman tries to deck herself out in a way that attracts men, uh, something's wrong there in the heart. So she needs to, to, to try to dress and be holy in her appearance. The Bible talks about all these kind of things. I won't go into detail on it. But holiness, how we look, how we dress, how we act, the places we go, the places we don't go. You know, uh, a guy said to me one time, he said, uh, if I just go to a bar and, and sit there and drink a Coke and eat a hamburger, is anything wrong with that? I said, well, it's the whole environment of it, you know. I mean, you know, what if, what if there's a shootout in there? What if there's a, what if there's, you know, I mean, it's all kind of, you have to just, you have to use a lot of common sense, you know. And uh, I've, I've been in all kind of places. I used to be an insurance agent, collected insurance. And I've gone in there where there's illegal gambling going on. I mean, I'd walk in the back doors and they'd look at me and everything. They'd say, he's, he's all right, he's the insurance man. I'd be in there writing up and collecting insurance and everything. They're playing poker. They, everything they're doing is illegal. It's everything they're doing. And I never went and told nobody. I said nothing about nothing. I never knew anything. Now, but I was in and out. You understand what I'm saying? But so sometimes we're put in little situations like that. But I'm talking about when you choose to do a lifestyle. God has warned me one time not to go into a certain place. Warned me. He just warned me in the spirit not to do it. One time I was warned not to go to this house where I was invited to come there and talk to a man and his wife about an insurance program. And I was, uh, and so I went there. And I knocked on the door and the Lord said, don't go in this apartment. Don't go in this apartment. And so the guy came to the door and I said, yeah, I'm an insurance agent. I talked to your wife earlier and she said that you'd be home and I was going to come by. But I got another appointment I got to keep. He said, well, that's all right. He said, we probably don't need any insurance. Anymore. And I walked away. Two or three days later, I picked up in the paper and they had been robbing uh, package stores and they had killed two package store owners. And taking the money. And here I'm an insurance agent with wads of money in my pocket that I've collected for the day, you know. And I'm going into this apartment by people who are robbers and they kill people for money, you know. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, don't go in there. You know? 
I'm just saying God keeps us, and that's all by the Spirit of the Lord. So if we try to be holy, we try to do what's right, and we try to live the right life, God will keep his hand on you. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, I just, I just try to, I think that we're all trying to do what's right, but, but don't push yourself into areas or don't just do things on a, on a little whimsy thing because God is keeping his hand on us and protecting us in ways that we don't even know anything about. And there's many of you could tell stories like that too. I'm going to move on here. I just want you to know that the rapture is coming and the word of the Lord will be fulfilled just like God said. I'm looking at 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17. This is a very common verse of scripture to you. 15 says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not pre-event that would be upstaged them which are asleep. In other words, they will be caught up first. Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise the Lord in the air. And going. So this is this little simple chart here sort of shows you the rapture of the church here. And this is the, the corruptible caught up. And whenever that happens, our soul and spirit is reunited with the body. And the body is resurrected. The dead in Christ is the resurrection. And the reason for that is because the soul and the spirit never die. The body is the only thing that dies. So the body is what is resurrected. Okay. You say, Brother Myers, how can that be? Hey, God can do anything. The Bible, and I've already read to you from last week, where Paul says, you know, how are the dead raised? And he said, unless a grain of corn falls in the ground and die, it remaineth alone. And then he goes on to say, a grain of corn, a grain of some type, let's say corn, falls into the ground and it comes up another body. It falls in the ground. One body comes up another body. And so he says, so is the resurrection. Just like a grain of corn is a little, little yellow brown thing you put it in the ground. And when it comes up, it's a stalk with leaves and, and all, all over it. It's a different body coming out of the ground than what you put in the ground. You understand what I'm saying? And this is why Paul, why he used that as an illustration. So when the rapture takes place, we'll have a glorified, but our bodies will come and be reunited with our soul and spirit so that we are the total person that we were. And, and, uh, and our bodies will be totally changed. It'll be like unto his glorified body. We do not yet know how we shall appear, but we'll be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We'll have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. Jesus' body never saw corruption. He was in, in the grave three days. Uh, he never, his body never saw corruption. The Bible states that. Uh, other people that die, their bodies did see corruption. And it doesn't matter how. Some people have been burned at the stake, you know. Some people, uh, some people have been buried at sea, you know. Where's their body? Don't worry about it. God takes care of it, you know. I'm just trying to say here, there's nothing that God cannot take care of. If God can create and make all things and give us life and put us on this earth and give us breath and we are, we are somebody in this world today, trust me when I say that God has something very special for his people. But it won't be just the soul and the spirit. It'll be also the body. And we'll all of the total person that we are in God's special way. We'll have a glorified body like us and we'll rise and meet the Lord in the air and he will take us into that holy city, the holy city. Praise the Lord. And uh, I'm going to uh, have you look just one other place here with us for a moment. 
the holy city. I want you to turn with me to Revelations. Uh, and I will touch base with you on this in a few minutes. But if you look in Revelations chapter uh, 21, 2. 21, 2. And John and I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And uh, goes on to say, verse 10, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And uh, goes on to talk about his, his bride and his people here and how it would be dressed in white and so forth. But there's going to be a holy city. <coughs> Can I just go a little further with that holy city thing? How big is it? Look at 16. Look at 2116. And the city lies four square. That means a cube. And the length of and the length is as a, is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. It's a cube. Length, the breadth, and the height. And here's the size of it. With the read, verse 16, reading at the bottom part of it, 12,000 furlongs. The length, the breadth, and the height of it are equal. 1,500 miles cube. If you want to write that in your Bible, this 12,000 furlongs equals out to be 12,000. 1,200, I mean, 1,500 mile cube. You know what 1,500 miles is? 1,500 miles is if you were to take Jacksonville and go straight north, you'd go way up into about a third of Canada. Then if you went west, you'd go over to El Paso, Texas, 1,500 miles, and then go straight north again up there somewhere uh, in western Canada, Alberta, I think it is. Alberta, Canada, about a third up into Canada. That's how far, that's 1,500 miles square. And then if you went up 1,500 miles, that's how large the holy city was going to be. The Bible says here. And that's what the Lord has prepared for his people and his church and the holy. There's also going to be the holy from out of the Old Testament, not just the New Testament. The holy men of old speak as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost moved upon. They're holy women and holy men of old. The Bible says many shall come with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They should come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, meaning Gentiles are going to be part of this great, uh, this great body of Christ besides Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the good Jews that also will be there. Now, I'm telling you all of that, that this is going to be a wonderful place. I don't fully understand it. Somebody said, it says streets of gold, gates of pearls. Uh, you know, it talks about stones, I mean, like jasper and diamonds and all of that and somebody said do you really think that heaven's going to be all of that let me just say this folks if it's not that it's something spiritual that is so great that God used the most precious and glorious and wonderful thing to describe it do you understand what I'm saying praise the Lord and so when I say spiritual I don't mean just in the air I'm talking about something tangible because our bodies will have been resurrected with our soul and spirit. It's something real. Praise the Lord. We'll be greater. We'll have a greater position and place than the angels of God. Because we've proven ourselves. That's why you're tested in this life. 
That's why God lets you go through tests and trials. So that we're tested here. So that there's not going to be no rebellion over in heaven. We get over there, we're not going to say, oh, I think somebody, I want to be great like Lucifer did. And Lucifer, you know, raised himself up and became what we know today as Satan. Because he was a fallen angel. He became a fallen angel. I'm just pointing out to you here what a wonderful and great reward that God has for the church. So it's beyond our imagination. It's a great place. Whatever God has prepared for you. I used, we used to sing that song, All I Want is a Little Cabin in the Corner of Glory Land. Build me a cabin in the corner of glory. How many of you know that song? I heard it with some of you older, or not older, just people. It's heard gospel music in that fashion. Build me a cabin in the corner of glory. There won't be no cabins in glory land. Let me tell you something. <laughs> There won't be no cabins over there. There'd be mansions, there'd be mansions and so forth. And maybe God will give you a whole bunch of, he said, we'll be ruler over cities. I don't fully understand all that. And where would the holy city be uh, in relation to the new earth? I don't know, but uh, it can be way up there above it, or it can be just above it, or it can be even on it, but be on it and take up a big part of it. It'd take up half of it. Probably take up something like the size of the United States. It's in a cube, I mean, so I, I'm not, I don't know how to interpret that. Only to say that whatever God has prepared, I'm all for it. Praise the Lord. You know, folks, the earth is beautiful. How many of you agree with me how beautiful the earth is? What God has made here and put us here on. It's a, the, the, world, the earth is a beautiful place. And if God can do that for a natural man, and our lives are only for a season, what more does he have in eternity for us? And I think that the coming of the Lord's not very far away, that he's going to catch his bride, his bride, he calls us his bride. He'll catch us away home to be with him in glory. Now, let me move into another element here because I want to talk to you about the uh, white throne judgment of God. And I want to talk to you about the righteous and the wicked because this, the holy are raptured a thousand years before the others are resurrected. And, uh, after the rapture takes place, there's going to be a tribulation period that lasts short period of time. I use a figure that that's sort of out of the top of my head, somewhere between seven and 14 years. <clears throat> it shows it quite large here. That's because I put emphasis on it, and this is what most of the book of Revelation is all about, is that tribulation period. But following that is going to be Armageddon that would be right here. It doesn't have any sign here, no arrows or nothing pointed, but... When, when Christ comes back with his church, he will come with ten thousands of his saints. And then he will come back here at this place here at the end of Armageddon. And uh, at Armageddon. And when he does, he's going to bring in a thousand years of peace on the earth. This little square box represents a thousand years. So there will be a thousand years. That's why I said the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. I'm just quoting here from... Uh, Revelations, I think, 20 and 5. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so there's going to be a, a, a judgment day following at the end of the world. So you've got 4,000 years in the Old Testament, 2,000 in the New Testament, including the tribulation period. <clears throat> and then you'll have 1,000 years. There's 7,000 years altogether of man's timeline from the beginning of time from Adam until the very end. And then there's going to be a white throne judgment in which God will judge all men that have ever lived on the face of this earth to the end. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to me with Revelations. If you're there still in Revelation, look in Revelations uh, 
20 and 11. 20 and 11. And then I'm going to give supportive verses. The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Excuse me while I blow my nose. All right, verse 11. I saw a great white throne. Incidentally, I'm going to give you about three examples here of how this great white throne will be. But there's many other verses that support the white throne judgment existence, that it will come. <clears throat> one in Rebel, there's one in uh, Ecclesiastes. I think it's the last verse in Ecclesiastes talks about it. The book of Ecclesiastes. There's a verse in the book of Acts that talks about it. it talks about the judgment time which God will judge everything. Judge everything. And so everybody that's ever lived on the face of the earth, God will judge them. So that anyone who ever goes to hell, God will give them a chance to argue their case if they want to. Say to God, you didn't treat me right. And so God will have, that's why the Bible says that we will be judges ourselves at the white throne judgment. Did you know that? No, you're not. You should judge the world. That's what Paul said. We'll judge the world by being a witness against the world whenever they say, I could not live for God because, because, because. And he would say, here's a child of God that did. Because they did, you could have, but you chose not to. You know, things like that. This would be the white throne judgment. I won't go into detail on all that, but that's a Bible study within itself. Look at the verses that we're going to read to you here. Verse 11. <clears throat> I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was no place for no place, no, there, there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. Not faith, but their works. This is the righteous now. This is the books. That's why this is made up of 66 books here. This is the Bible. And they'll be judged out of the things in the books. This is the word of God, folks. I got a great Bible study I'm going to teach one day on the, the Word of God and uh, why it is why God has been so merciful to humanity to give us His Word and everything. I'll get into that one day. But this is the Word of God. And uh, the Bible says we'll be judged out of the books. But notice here, it says here that this verse 12 I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open. That's the Bible. And another book, okay? which was open, which is the book of life. So one book's going to be the book of life. And if we, not we, but they who are, will appear before the white throne, if their name is in that book, they're going to be judged righteously. But everybody be judged out of these books right here. Let me move on here in this 12th verse. Uh, according to their works, verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead, the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, I'm going to talk to you here about the holy and the righteous and so forth and the wicked. The holy have been raptured a thousand years before. That's the church. But at the end of time, 
God is going to have a white throne judgment and he's going to bring forth the, whole, the wicked and the righteous. The, uh, the wicked will go back to God and God will, uh, will put them, with the, re, re, reunite them with their soul and spirit and they'll come before God, the white throne judgment. Same thing with the righteous. The righteous will be reunited with the body. As it says here, the body give up the dead and they will stand before God here. So the righteous and the wicked will be here, not the holy, not the holy. But we've already been resurrected, and that's why Paul said, no, you're not, you should judge the world. The Bible even says in one place, no, you're not, you should judge angels, the, the, the holy, the holy will, the church, God's people. So they will stand before God to be judged. Now, let me give you some support scriptures for this. I want you to look in John, I think it's 5, uh, St. John 5, and verse 28. John 5.28, and I'm going to read two verses, 5.28 and 29. These are the teachings of Jesus. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. Everybody see that? All that's in the graves. Not just the, not just the holy now, but all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. And shall come forth, they that have done good, unto the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil, unto the resurrection of damnation. So this is a very simple verse here. And uh, I'm going to give you another, ver- another verse of scripture here that's found in Matthew that Jesus also spoke on. And uh, he tells it in more detail here. I'm looking here at Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit on the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was unhungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. And I was strange, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Verse 37. Then shall the righteous answer him and say unto him, When saw we thee and hungered, and fed thee and thirsty, and gave thee drink? And when saw we a stranger, and so forth? And he repeats the same thing. When did we see all of this? Verse 40. And the king shall answer him and say unto him, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Now, folks, let me say something to you all here. People who treat you nice, and I'm feeling the Holy Ghost all over me in saying this. I do. I feel the presence of God. I made me, I'm saying this for somebody in here this morning. But people who treat you kindly, God's going to be good to them in the judgment time. They may not be baptized in Jesus' name. They might even not know what to do to be saved. You know, you come across people all the time. But people who treat the people of God kindly and rightly, God is going to be merciful to them at the white throne judgment. It says it right here. My brother, I'll go a little further. As people have treated, and, and you, as you well know, the Jews were scattered throughout, throughout all the world, throughout all the nations. And they have been God's uh, people on the back burner, if I can call it that. They are, in, they are in a time of judgment in the sense that they are scattered and they don't have their homeland and so forth. 
But they're still God's people. They're God's ancient people, as it has been referred to them. And so as they have been treated by countries and nations and people and individuals, as they have been treated, so God will either be good or kind in the white. You understand what I'm saying? This is one aspect of it, is that as we treat others. Also, how do we treat children? How do we treat older people? How do we treat the poor? Do you understand the less fortunate, the handicapped? I'm just telling you here that somehow or another, and this is not so much us as it is the world out here. How does each individual treat those who have been put in their life one way or the other? You know, And if a person will have been a good person to other people and tried to do the best they could for those. It's like Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus was a poor man. He was lame. He was laid at his feet. He was a beggar. Uh, he, he, he had to beg for money. And the rich man was very rich. And, and, he, and he could care less about the, the man. Well, the Bible of Jesus says the rich man died and Lazarus died. They both died. But, Abra- but Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom. The rich man went to hell. So I'm just trying to point out to you here how, that, uh, how we treat people in this world is part of it. You know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's Calvary. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's the cross. And so that's the commandment to us. And that's the commandment to the whole world. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says in one place, this is one for, for everybody, and that is that treat everybody as you'd have others to treat you. And so while that this is uh, maybe not the way this, our walking with God is much deeper than that, but for the righteous, there's going to be some very basic things that God would require of them. Let me finish reading this. Look at this closely here. He says, I was naked, and verse 36, naked, and you clothed me, I was sick, and you visited me, and I was raging. And verse 37, then shall the righteous answer him. Notice the righteous is the one that says this. It doesn't say the holy. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we and hungered? And then he goes on to say, uh, whenever you, uh, you saw all of these things. And then down in uh, verse 41, he says, Then shall he say unto them on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Notice here that the lake of fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus said that. It's not for humanity. It's for the devil and his angels. But if humanity or different people, individuals, choose to go there, that's where they go. But it was prepared for the devil and his angels. And he said, Then shall he say unto them that on his left hand, Depart from me, cursed and everlasting. For I was unhungered and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you took me not in. I was naked and you clothed me not and sick. And in prison and you visited me not. Then he goes on to say the same thing and you didn't do anything about it. Then shall they also answer, verse 44, answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and thirsted? Then he repeats the same thing. And uh, then verse 45, then shall he answer them, verily, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not unto me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into, again, the righteous into everlasting, uh, into life eternal. So this is speaking of the white throne judgment. So what I've done here is I've given you two verses of scripture here, uh, John and also in, in Matthew here, that describes in detail 
how the Lord will divide the righteous from the wicked. And then the righteous will, be, will go to the new earth. Now, I want you to look very quickly, and I'm going to wrap this up with this. We know the wicked will go to the lake of fire, and there's other scriptures. There's four verses or five, five verses of scripture in the Bible that speaks about the lake of fire. Four of them in the book of Revelation itself. And I think there's one over another one. I know there's one here in Matthew. And there's another one, I think, over even in John still. I mean, in Daniel. But let me go to this verse of scripture, and I'm going to close out here. I want you to look here, if you would, with us uh, in the, about the concerning the new earth. Uh, look in Revelation 21.1. I'm going to close out here. Living for God is the best life you can live. 21.1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. All right? So God's going to make a new earth. Uh, there's uh, scriptures here that describe about this new earth. Look at Second Peter 3.12. 2 Peter 3.12. I believe this is. He says here, looking for the and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord, of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Everybody see that? Wherein dwelleth righteousness. Not holiness, but righteousness. And, uh, and then I'm going to move a little bit further here. Over in Isaiah, Isaiah speaks about it. This is 65, 17. I'm staying with this scripture that I believe in, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall be remembered, shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. Very quickly, I'm looking at Isaiah 66, verse 22. It's the third last verse in the book of Isaiah. It says, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I shall make, shall remain before you, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. Now, I'm going to uh, just point out to you here that there's going to be a new heaven, new earth, and God is going to create a new earth. So in the new earth, there will be righteousness. So you have the holy that will be in the holy city. You have the, the righteous that will be on the new earth. And the Bible says that the wicked will go to the lake of fire. And I've already read scripture for you there about it. And I'll just finish it up here in Revelations. Uh, the Bible talks about the Antichrist being thrown in the lake of fire. This is uh, 19 and 20. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that would brought, wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them. And had delivered the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. This is following, following here the tribulation period. But the devil is bound for a thousand years here during the people. But the devil's time comes over in 20 and 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And it goes on to say here, look at verse 8, 21, 8. 
But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, folks, God bless you. You and I are some of the most privileged people on the face of the earth. God is so good to us. Every morning when you get up, say, Jesus, I am so grateful and thankful that you chose to let me be one of your wonderful saints of God, that you've chosen me. I'm serious. I hardly ever get up in the morning. I don't thank God. God, thank you for ever bringing the gospel my way, the way to my family that they were saved. Let's stand together. Let's, let's, let, let's just give praise to God, glorify his name right now.